Last week I finished up a four-part series on the priority of love and the four things that covered in that sermon series was loving God first, loving truth, loving God's house, and loving God's mission. And going to leave that series, concluded that series, and probably going to do a couple of standalone messages uh, before we go into a Christmas series. Uh, today, I wanted to preach in honor of the Thanksgiving holidays that are coming up. And so, today I'm going to preach on this, a Thanksgiving prayer. A Thanksgiving prayer. And uh, you will see how I bring all of that together here in just a little bit. Let's read Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and then I will let you be seated. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, this is the English Standard Version, he says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you all are, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so for a little while, I want to preach on a thanksgiving prayer, a thanksgiving prayer. God bless you. You may be seated today. Are there people that you love to be around? Anybody that you just, you just, if you could, you will always want to be around certain individuals. Anybody been like that? Well, I, I would tell you, and I mentioned this Thursday night, hopefully I'm on your list of people. Uh, I didn't mention that Thursday night, but hopefully I am. No, just kidding. But, but I mentioned this Thursday night at Midweek Discipleship that there are times when I'm around people that I just don't want to be around. I've been on trips with people, and you're riding four hours in a vehicle, and it's just like pulling teeth, man. You can't carry a conversation. And, I, and I've mentioned this kind of thing before, but, but there are other people that any time I'm able to be around them, I just want to be around them. And what I would tell you, for me, you are part of those people because you are the family of God. That any time I have an opportunity to be around the people of God, I want to be around them and then there are people that are in that mix of your of your friends or or family that just make you want to feel grateful because of who they are or what they have done but I would tell you also that while we are in this thanksgiving season and we should be giving thanks that giving thanks is not a once a year occasion that it is not something that we should do at at just this end of November season, but being thankful is something that we should do all of the time. There is a question 
that we ask in the, the discovery Bible study process that we're using with our small groups, and, and I use this, this format with a, a, a number of different venues, but the first question is, what are you thankful for this week? Sometimes it's readily on the tip of the tongue of the person that I'm asking that question to, and, and I have to, of course, answer that as well. It's not just for them, but it's for me as well. Sometimes there are so many things to be thankful for, you can't articulate it all. And you can't just have one that comes to mind, and then sometimes it's like, I don't know what I'm thankful for. But we should live in an attitude of gratitude, that we should live in a state of thanksgiving, and what the Bible tells us is that in the last days, one of the negative characteristics of the end time is that people will be unthankful. They will take for granted whatever they have and they will be unthankful. They won't appreciate what they have. I shouldn't throw this in, but I'll just tell you, we are living in the last days. There is a group out in our world called the World Economic Forum that are using COVID and other things, and they've said COVID is the perfect opportunity to do a great reset. Looking to reset the governmental structure of our world and looking to reset the educational structure of our world, looking to redistribute uh, the wealth of the nations and the wealth of individuals. And in fact, one of the things they say is, when we're done with this, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. I don't know how, much, how many of you would be happy if you own nothing. But we are, as I mentioned earlier, we are very blessed. And we have a lot to be thankful for. And you and I should be thankful on an ongoing basis. And in fact, we should start every day at, at with thanksgiving, which is an act of worship to God. Acknowledging that He is the source of everything that we have. Anybody thankful for what God has blessed them with? Anybody thankful for the family that you have or the job that you have or the possessions that He has blessed you with? We should be thankful, and, and if we look around the world, we are of all people most blessed when it comes to material things. That's not always good unless we are using it for His purpose and using it to further His kingdom, because when God blesses us, it is not just so we have a bunch of stuff, but He blesses us so that we can in turn bless others. That's why we give tithing offering. That's why we volunteer and we help out those less fortunate. We take what God has given us and we use it to bless his kingdom and we use it to bless others. But all of that to set up really what I want to do and to set up the passage that I want to talk about today. And there is a pattern that the Apostle Paul uses in the majority of his epistles. Now, an epistle is a letter that he wrote to an individual or a church. All of this, of course, under the inspiration of the Spirit. And so, the book of Philippians that we looked at, it's really the epistle or the letter to the church at Philippi or to the Philippians. But one of the things that he does with these, these opening pieces of most of his epistles is he will do an opening greeting in this salutation and saying grace to you and peace from God our Father. And he'll say a few things like that, a few verses. And then he does a prayer of thanksgiving. So as I thought about preaching a thanksgiving message, and, and I, I, I thought about this pattern that he has, and I looked through all of the epistles of Paul and tried to nail down something that was most pertinent for you 
and I in this stage of our church, in this stage of our relationship. And I settled on Philippians. Now, a little background here, Philippi, the city located just away, just off the coast of the Aegean Sea. It's in northeast Greek and, or Greece, and it is in the, the region of the Roman Empire called Macedonia. Macedonia, this area of the Roman Empire that was conquered, of course, throughout the process and the four to five hundred years of their reign. And we first see Macedonia in the Bible when Paul in Acts chapter 16 has a vision of a man from Macedonia who is calling him in his vision to come and help us. And so Paul, who is on his second missionary journey, he he heeds this call. He's planning on going a different direction, but he recognizes that this vision that God gives him is, is the next step in his journey. And so he goes to the region of Macedonia and specifically to the city of Philippi And he establishes a church there as he preaches the gospel and gathers them together into a church. And as is Paul's practice, after he gathers them together into a church, he then will leave them and he'll appoint elders. The Bible says he will appoint leaders over those churches and he'll go on to the next town that God directs him to and he'll start another church there and then On the next missionary journey, if he's able, he'll come back through and check on them. But he's not always able to come back and visit them. And so because of that, he writes letters back to them, instructing them and and encouraging them and helping them to follow Jesus Christ. This is what he's doing in Philippians. And this is where I will bring the message. And ultimately, the point that I want to get cross to you today is this, is that because of all that God has done in us and because of all that he will do, we must express our thankfulness to him. There are six things and I'm going to hurry. I know it's 11, 12. I'm going to do six things once again. Uh, the typical preacher thing is three points and a poem. Sometimes I do three, sometimes four, five, six, or seven, just whatever the passage calls for. And if I could just throw this, this thing out there of interpreting the Scripture and understanding the Scripture, you don't ever want to take your ideas or your, your uh, ex- expectations and put them on the biblical text and say, well, I'm just going to make this fit what I believe already or what I need to do. But you have to let the text speak for itself. Because God gives us His Word. And, and what He said about His Word is that, that His Word would not pass away that as long as heaven and earth, his word is not going to pass away. And he even got more specific when he said, not one jot or tittle. That's the King James language. But the actual Greek was this, not one yod or tilde. You have no, most of you would have no idea what a yod or tilde is. So let me tell you, because you were, just, you were asking, that was the question. I could see it on your face. What is a yod or a tilde? It's actually Hebrew. A yod is a little mark that it, it does, it's kind of like an apostrophe, but it's a little more of, a, of an L, and it's at the top of a word, and it is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, not much bigger than an apostrophe. And a tilde is the various spaces, you know, and we'll use a, we'll use a G, 
But, you know, when you're making a capital G in English, it doesn't connect, and there's a little line. You know, you go around, there's a little line there. I know this is all backwards to you, but I can't do it. Yeah, I can do a G like that. Look at that. Thank you very much. I'll be here all day. But that little line or that space in Hebrew would be called a tilde. And what Jesus is saying is not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter of his word will pass away until everything is fulfilled. And aren't you thankful that we have his word today, that we can look at his word and it is instructional and it helps us to know how we are to live and what he likes and what he doesn't like and what he thinks about us. And we even know what is, where we're going because he tells us that we have an eternity with Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? Can I have an amen today? So the first thing that I want to tell you is this, is that Paul says it this way, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And what I would tell you for me is this, is that I am thankful when I think of you. For the most part, I didn't know you before coming to Olathe, Kansas. There's a few people in this room that I've known for a long time. Known Tyler since he was but a wee lad, and now he's six, seven or so. Knew his family, and, and some others, I've known them since college. But the majority of people in this room, I didn't meet until I came here. But I'm thankful when I think of you, because God has brought us together. He's brought us together in a gospel relationship where, where we can get to, to know one another, and we can to talk about his Bible, and you come to church to worship God corporately, and, and I am thankful to know you, that you are in my life. And the reality is that you are people who love Jesus, and you're part of the church family, that we belong together, that God has brought us into his kingdom together. And I'm thankful. And I would hope that you are thankful when you think of your fellow churchgoers here that you're thankful when you think of them and the relationship that you can have with them and the peace of, of the kingdom that they are and, and what they bring to the kingdom. It is something to be thankful for. But then he says this, I'm also thankful when I pray for you. And, and verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. That Paul expresses his thankfulness for who they are. And what I would tell you is that when I pray, I almost always begin with thankfulness. If I pray for you, I, I'm thanking God for what He has done in your life already and for what he has, how He has brought you into His kingdom and has, how He has brought you into this spiritual journey. That it is something for you and I should be thankful for. And I am thankful when I pray for you and I can do it with joy. But beyond that, I'm thankful for what he's going to do in the future. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But there is a thankfulness that accompanies my prayer when I think of you. I'm thankful for your partnership in the gospel. Philippians 1.5, because, he says, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I don't know if you know this, I'm sure you do, but we are in this together. That this is not my show, 
This is not your show. But this is our work for God together. And that Paul, who has come to Philippi, and he started this church, and he said he's thankful because of their partnership in the gospel. From the moment that he arrived there and he began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They joined in and they, they believed the word that he was preaching. And they joined in in the mission of Jesus Christ. Last week then when I preached about loving God's mission. It's not, just, it's not me doing God's mission. But it is us doing God's mission. That we should be on mission together. That God has given all of those who are saved the same mission, which is to seek and to save the lost, which is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody they come in contact with. There are people here today that I didn't invite. Some that you invited. Some that God just led. Nobody in this room even knew, but God just led them and brought them here because we are on the same mission, and I am thankful for your partnership in the gospel, that mission of being in the gospel, that Josh and Ruth Batchelor and Nadia, their daughter, moved from Tennessee away from all of their family to come be a part of this church. To help reach people in Olathe, Kansas. Ten days before we launched weekly services, they moved to town. But it didn't start there. We had six preview services, one a month for six months, starting in March of 2019. They drove nine hours each way to be in all of the preview services. In fact, that first preview service, we were out to eat at Freddy's, just right over here. If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, Josh looked at the Garmin building across the road and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a job there. And ten days before we launched, he moved to town to start his job at Garmin. Partnership in the gospel. That it's about all of us working together to do his mission and to fulfill what God has called us to do. To expand his kingdom. And if I could say it, if I could tell you this now, and you, many of you would have heard this, that while we don't have hundreds here today, the goal is not really to have hundreds here. The goal is to have hundreds and thousands across Kansas City because... God isn't calling us just to meet in one place, but he's calling us to meet in multiple places and to plant multiple churches across Kansas City. You can look around and go, man, good luck with that. The Bible says, despise not the day of small things. Everything starts small. But when God is in it, it will grow. You can look at the largest mega church out there in almost every, mega, every church in existence. There's been some splits along the way with various churches where they just take a bunch of people and split and have a big discord in the church. And I'm thankful we don't have any of that discord. But almost every church you run across was a church plant at some time. 
So while this is not a huge mega church, that's not the goal. But to see people brought into the kingdom of God, that is the goal. And to give them a place to worship wherever they are and near where they are. I use this analogy, and it wasn't in my notes to share vision, but I use this analogy that McDonald's doesn't have one location in Kansas City. They don't keep just making bigger and bigger buildings. But to reach more people, they create more locations. That's the way it should be with the kingdom of God. It's not just about big, building bigger buildings. It's let's see how many people we can have drive. Because people in Blue Springs will never hear about this church. But if there's a church that preaches truth in Blue Springs, and there happens to be, and I'm friends with the pastor. My dad used to pastor that church in the late 80s, early 90s. But having multiple churches where people can, in their neighborhood, drive five or ten minutes and have a place to worship with people who are following the Bible plan of salvation and believe the apostolic message of the apostles. Partnership in the gospel. Fourthly, thankful because God will complete his work of salvation in you and by extension, in me. Paul says it this way in verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is the second time, or this, in two different places in this passage, he uses that day of Jesus Christ. And just so you know, that is the day of his return. It is the day of his judgment. That at the day of Jesus Christ, he will have completed his work in you. That the work that God is doing of salvation, and it is his work. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you can't work your way to heaven. Oh, there we go. I can hear you. I don't have, these, I don't have those in-air monitors in, so I, I know if you're talking or not. That salvation is a good work, but we can't get ourselves to heaven on our own. But it takes the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It takes, as Paul said in Ephesians 2, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so the way this works is this. We don't work to get salvation, but we get salvation and then we work. So salvation is God's work in us to bring us and to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. It is a good work. And prior to salvation and prior to us coming into a relationship with, with God, He is drawing us to Himself. John six forty four tells us that, that no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. That if we come into a saving relationship with God, with God, it's because He has been working on us. He has been pulling us into relationship with Him. He's been putting us in situations where we realize that we need something. We've got to have something more than what we have. And God draws us to Him. And if our desire is truly to follow God, He will lead us to salvation in this life and beyond. God will complete His work. 
question is, are we going to cooperate with him and allow him to work in us? And what Paul says in verse 6, as you see it on the screen, it's he began this good work, but it's not complete. There is an element in which you and I, that when we experience the new birth, that we are saved. But there is a sense in which we are still being saved. It's called sanctification as God is working on us. And then there is another sense in which when that day comes, we will be saved. Because it's not a once saved, always saved. It's not a get on this train and you can't get off if you want to. It is true, the Bible says, nobody can pluck you out of his hand. Nobody can pluck you out of the hand of God once you're in there. Well, he's not going to force you to stay in there if you don't want to. But if we follow him, and if our desire is to know him and to follow him, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. And aren't you thankful that God is still working on us? And that even after we come to know him and we mess up and we have our shortcomings and we just flat out sin sometimes, that God doesn't cut us off, but he's still bringing us back and he's still pulling on us and he's still causing us to be in relationship with him. People sometimes look at Christians and go, man, they're not any different than the world. We should be, but sometimes we're not because we're human. But when we mess up like that and we're, we're not the witness that we need to be, God is still working in us. Fifthly, thankful because we have all been partakers of God's grace. I re- referenced this already, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith. Nobody gets saved apart from God's grace. Because grace is getting something that you and I do not deserve. And because we can't work our way to salvation, we never deserve salvation. But it is by His grace that we get it. But when we get it at salvation, His grace doesn't stop there. Unfortunately, I've been around people that they they believe in God's grace up until the the moment of salvation. Then after that, you're just on your own. You just better hope you don't mess up. But we are all partakers of God's grace and it doesn't stop at the moment of salvation that from the beginning of his call and his drawing us to himself until we get to heaven, it's all because of his grace. It's all because he is working in us. We get God's grace and we need it when things are bad and we also need it when things are good. We need his grace all the time. Those were the short five. The last one is this, thankful for your future, thankful for your future. It is the rest of the passage that I read and I'm going to endeavor to do it quickly. For God is my witness, he says, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You and I have a glorious future. You and I have a future that is an eternity with Jesus Christ. Paul begins this section with this idea of thankful to be with you in the future. I long to be with you. I can't wait to get to be with you. And for the most part, he doesn't have the opportunity to be with them. But you and I have the opportunity to be together every week. Maybe multiple times a week. And so I'm thankful that I can be with you. I mentioned it already. Church is a family. And specifically, I would even say it this way, that those who come to saving faith in Christ under a ministry are special. So we can have people who move here and decide to make this church their home that are already saved. And I mean, that's great. But there's something special when you're able to share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And they come to a saving relationship with him. Paul would write of that kind of relationship when he said of Timothy that he's my son in the gospel. It's just a different relationship whenever you share the gospel with somebody. And whether you stand on a platform and you do that, or whether you sit in the pew and you do that, there is nothing greater than seeing somebody who doesn't know Jesus come to faith in Jesus Christ and experience the new birth. He says, though, I am also thankful that you're going to grow in the future. He said, it's my prayer that your love will abound, and it's my prayer that your knowledge will grow. It's my prayer that your discernment will grow. He said, it's my prayer that you will approve that which is excellent. It is my prayer that you be pure and blameless. It's my prayer that you be filled with all the fruits of righteousness. I don't have time to unpack all of that because... Our time is short. What if I could list it out and sum it up maybe this way? That what God has done in us and what He has started in us, it is His desire. Not that we stay there. Not that we stop at just experiencing the new birth. Or not that we stop at wherever we are on this spiritual journey and just go, man, I think I've got enough. But he's saying, it's my prayer that you're going to grow. That your love for one another is going to grow and your, your discernment is going to grow and your knowledge is going to grow and your, your, your ability to approve what is good or what is excellent. In other words, to do the things that are godly and to not do the things that are ungodly. The theological word and biblical word for that is sanctification, as God makes us more holy and makes us more into His image. That His prayer, Paul's prayer of thanksgiving, is that they would grow. 
And his expectation is this, that because Jesus is going to complete what he has started in them, that they're going to be continually growing until that day of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, I've known people that come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. and They experience the new birth. They repent of their sins, baptized in water in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit evidence with speaking in other tongues, and they draw a circle around themselves, and they camp out around the new birth, just saying, I've experienced it, I'm good. And 30 years later or 40 years later, they're not any different. They haven't grown. They haven't matured. They're still infants, spiritually. That is not God's plan for you and I. But it is His plan that you and I grow and mature Until we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what he is working in our lives to do and to bring about. And I know this is a, I could make it a rhetorical question, but I don't want to make it, I don't want to do that. I want to make it a real question. And and I know the response that I will get. But I want to ask it anyway. Because I want you to express it. How many of you want to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? just, Just lift your hand if that's where you are. That you're thankful for what He's done in you. You're thankful for the spiritual journey that He's got you on, but you don't want to be satisfied with just stopping there. Six things, areas of thankfulness. Thankful when I think of you, thankful when I pray for you. Thankful for your partnership in the gospel, and thankful because God will complete his work of salvation in you. Thankful because we all have been partakers of His grace today. And thankful for your glorious future. When God brings us to relationship with Him and puts us on this spiritual journey, He has begun that work in us and I would tell you, though, it's not just enough to be on a spiritual journey. There are a lot of people on a spiritual journey. But you have to experience the new birth and 
but then it doesn't end, it keeps growing. The Bible lets us know in various ways and in various places that God always finishes what He starts. God is not like some of us start a home renovation project or you start some task and you get it partially done and you're like, yeah, forget all that. God never does that. He always finishes what He starts. However, you and I have a responsibility to let God work and for us to continue to follow Him. Because while God is sovereign and He is the King over all the universe, He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords, He has given you and I free will. And with that free will comes our ability to choose to follow Him or to reject Him. And far too many people somewhere along that journey They get distracted. They get busy with other things. And they walk away from the Lord. But if we cooperate with Him and let Him continue to work on Him and continue to follow after Him, He will complete the work He has begun. And then when we get to that day of the Lord, that day of Jesus Christ, it will be a day of rejoicing because of what He has done in us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. But the Holy Spirit will not drag us kicking and screaming. It's a leading. So we have a responsibility to follow the Spirit and to allow God to work in us. Would you stand together? I have a few things for you to do. Three to be exact. It is Thanksgiving week. So what I want you to do, first of all, is to express thankfulness to God for what He has done in you. The fact that you're here today is evidence of God's work. It is evidence of God's drawing. And for many of us, we have moments where we can look back where we took a step of repentance or we took that step of baptism or we were filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in other tongues. We can look at those moments and and even beyond that where God would speak to us and draw us and help us to mature and take the next step on our journey and our relationship with Him. So wherever you are, 
would you right now just begin to express thankfulness to God for what He has done? You can close your eyes, lift your voice, whatever you want to do, but would you just thank Him for what He has done in you? Jesus, we thank You today for Your goodness, Lord. Thank You for what You have done in us. Thank You, Lord, for the work of salvation, Lord, that we have experienced. Lord, I thank You that You have started all of us on this journey of faith and a journey of relationship with You. Lord, I'm thankful that even though we haven't fully arrived and we haven't made it as far as we need to, Lord, but You are going to complete it. That what You have begun, You will finish. That what You have begun, You will perform. Lord, help us, I pray, to cooperate with You in in that process. Thank You that You have expressed your love to us and we have experienced your grace and your mercy and experienced your love. Lord, help us, I pray, to express thankfulness for that every day. But Lord, we don't want to be like some who have drawn a line around themselves and be satisfied with where we are. We want you to complete and perform what you have started in us. Complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.